Welcome to Beauty and the Brain with your hosts, Dr. Chris Crowley and nurse practitioner Jerry Drinker. Get ready to dive into the latest in revolutionary treatments, cutting-edge devices, and wellness secrets. Whether you're a consumer or provider, we're here to empower you at the forefront of beauty and aesthetics. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Brain. I am your co-host, Dr. Chris Crowley. And I'm Jerry Drinkard, family nurse practitioner. Together, Chris and I own Skin and Tonic, a med spa located in Pace, Florida. So what have we got going today? Well, today we have an episode talking about neurotoxins and just kind of a, a broad overview of neurotoxins. And I think you and I both wanted to, to take an opportunity to discuss with our listeners some of the nuances of what neurotoxins are, why we choose specific ones in our practice, and what are some of the concerns are when patients come in with some, uh, you know, maybe requests or demands that we have to coach or steer them away from because of certain risk associated with these procedures. Also, with social media the way it is, I think we have some of the most well-informed and some of the most misinformed clients that we've ever treated in the past. And it'll continue to get worse. We have people come in and ask for specific treatments by you know, some um, name that's specific to a provider. And so um, so we have to know as practitioners what's actually best for our patients and offer them education regarding what they're actually asking for because a lot of them don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, in this episode, you know, a few things that we're going to talk about are going to be what are neurotoxins? What are the different ones available in the market in the U.S. right now? What are the differences in the, the formulations that are provided by the different companies? the expected duration of action of these treatments, how long you should expect to get out of your treatment results, some of the side effects, and then we're going to go into some of the misconceptions about baby Botox, our microtox, skin tox, our splitting up treatments, and how if we treat only an area with less than the desired dose, or we treat a small area and then bring you back in a short interval and treat another area, why that uh, you know may be budget-friendly but may not be the most optimal for you as a patient to get the results you want. And I think all of these are things that are probably frequently seen in in a lot of clinics by providers and probably also things that are asked for by clients. So it should be educational for all of us. Yeah, and I don't think the patients are just wanting either a specific result or they have a budget they have to work with them. So I think it's unreasonable that they ask these questions. And I'm not saying that we would never even provide these treatments, but I think it's important that your uh, provider, your injector understands and that you can have an informed discussion with them about what some of these risks may be before you just start having uh, some of the neurotoxins injected. Yeah. Well, like I said, a lot of times I think people don't realize even what they're asking for when they ask for things. And baby Botox, for for instance, is, you know, something that we commonly get asked about now. And my opinion of baby Botox is probably very different than someone next door because my opinion is someone that's just starting on their tox journey and someone that's looking for like a preventative type neurotoxin. It doesn't mean underdosing toxin in a certain area. And so I think it's really important to to be sure what what you're asking for and let the patient know that as well. So let's just start by, you know, we use the word neurotoxins and that's kind of a, a big word and it's used as a broad category. But for our clients out there that may not know what those are, do you want to go over what's available in the U.S. market now? So we have several options now. We have... Um, there's um, always Botox, which was our first, and that's the one that most people ask for by name. So we have 
Botox and we have Dysport, um, which is my personal favorite. We have Xeomin. We also have Juvo. I have new, we have Daxify on the market now. So there are a lot of different options for neurotoxins um, and they all have their, you know, specific, unique differences. Yeah. We started, uh, you know, 15 years ago and we only used the allergen product, which was Botox. But when we moved to, to Florida and opened uh, our Florida location, JDCC at the time, now we're, we're rebranded a little bit. We have skin and tonic. But um, at the time, it was just our, our initials, Jerry Drinker, Chris Crowley. And um, we switched over to the Galderma product line. And Galderma is a great company. I'm a trainer for Galderma. And um, we use uh, a lot of their product line almost exclusively in our clinic. And they make Dysport. So that's the, the neurotoxin they use. But all of these neurotoxins basically go in and block a signal at the muscle junction. So when our nerve sends a signal and tells the muscle to move in the face, we're usually sending signals to say frown or raise your forehead or you know crinkle your nose. And we can go in and use this purified toxin in a really um, very specific dose right in that muscle. And it just stops that one muscle from moving. So that signal no longer gets there and it's temporary, wears off. And those little receptors kind of grow back over time. And as they grow back, then the muscle starts to move again and we can retreat it or you can just let it wear off. I think a lot of people, um, you know, when you talk about paralyzing the muscle, actually you don't paralyze the muscle. It's just a relaxed muscle at that point. And I think it's important to, because people that haven't had these treatments before, a lot of times they don't know the difference in Botox or neurotoxin and fillers. And so they don't even know what to ask for sometimes when they come in. And so, you know, the neurotoxins um, that we just talked about, those actually stop muscle movement that's going to cause wrinkles where the, with the dermal filler, that's actually to do some volume replacement. So they act very differently, even though a lot of times they are used together for treatment. Yeah, and so then we have Xeomin. Xeomin is uh, made by a company called MERS, and we also use that in the practice um, some as well. We think, uh, you know, MERS is a great company to work with, and Xeomin has some properties that may be beneficial in certain patient population. And there's a couple others out there. there as you mentioned, there's uh, Juvo. There's one called Daxify. That's one that um, really gets a little bit reportedly longer duration. It's a bit more extensive sometimes, but maybe a little bit more duration of uh, action with that product. So... I think, you know, as we're evaluating products to bring into the clinic, first of all, we always start with this, you know, safety. And so all of these companies have safe products. They've all submitted, you know, a lot, a lot of data and studies to the FDA to get their products approved. And so we only use it at skin and tonic um, products that are approved for distribution from an approved distributor in the U.S. So we know that the safety is there before we ever start using it. I said earlier that Dysport is my personal favorite and um but we've used several of these products and had really good results with all of them and you know each of them have their have their qualities that are are well they each have unique features unique features thank you you know the xeomin we travel if we're going out of town we can travel with xeomin and it doesn't have to be refrigerated and that's that's really nice and so for things like that, then we do use them and we frequently use it in the office for some of our sexual health treatments. And so there's a lot of really good products on the market. Mm -hmm. We talked about that they're used to rely, the neurotoxins in general are, it's a broad term. And then, you know, I think when you're talking to your provider, we know that we have a lot of safe options, but the second thing is going to be, you know, efficacy. So do they work and how long do they work? And then right behind all of that is going to be your business model. And so all of the, the vets files and people that, you know, you may be going to as your injector, they also are running a business. So they have to look at what other products does that company have in their product line. So the fillers, the biostimulants, 
and usually there's some sort of reward program. So the more you buy from one company, like anything else, the, the higher the volume goes, the better price point you get. And so there are a lot of uh, safe and um, efficacious products on the market, but business also comes into that a little bit. And, and that is um, one of the things when we switched to Disport, it wasn't because of cost, but we like the entire Galderma product line. So all of the fillers that they have on the market and their biostimulant Sculptra. And so it makes sense for us to, to stay with that one company because they have a product that is very safe, efficacious, and um, is a good price point for us as a company because we use the entire product line. But as we get into looking at the different toxins, one of the things that we get asked frequently from the patients is how long is this treatment going to last? I think that's where we come into play as a practitioner is to let the patient know that dose equals duration. We always try to try to work with budgets, and that's something that we're frequently asked about. And, you know, that's when you have to use your judgment and let the patient know that it's not always great to undertreat. Like I'll tell patients, you know, save your money and come back. And that way we can give you a full treatment that's going to last you. Because if you undertreat the patient, it's going to be your fault when it wears off after two months. But you, you have to treat the muscle appropriately to stop the muscle movement and give them the duration that's, that's set forth by the company. So most of these companies, you know, you get three to four months duration with a product, but if you undertreat, you're not, you're not going to get that. And different patients metabolize the product differently. So, um, you know, all of these factors are important when you start doing your initial consultation. No, I think it, it's crucial that you tell the patient. And we know that there's FDA studies that look at an approved dose for a certain area. So the, the 11 lines of the Colbella region is you know, different on some than maybe the what we're going to treat if we do an off-label treatment like the chin or for a flared nose or a lip flip. And so as we treat these muscle groups, we kind of know what a, a standard dose is to get the duration advertised by the company. So if we're looking at most toxins, it's going to be somewhere around three months with Daxify, it's going to be a bit longer. Um, and so you, you have to, as a provider, understand those differences and be able to talk to your patients about it. But as you said, if we start now, if we say 20 units is a recommended dose, but the patient says they only want 12 units, it's not that the 12 units will not work, but what we find is they may get a very reduced duration. So maybe they're going to be really happy for six weeks or maybe eight weeks, but not the full three to four months that they may get if we gave the proper dose. The problem with that is, and, and we've seen this over the years, patients forget that conversation. So many times you have that conversation when it wears off, they forget that we had a conversation that's going to wear off sooner. And then they think you did something like dilute your toxin or not store it properly or didn't inject it properly. And so we really try to make sure that we educate and we're a team in this process. Our patients, we love the ones that see us over a long period of time because they understand that, you know, we respect their budget. We want to work within it, but we also want to do the proper treatment to give them the duration they want. But I also think um, you mentioned patients that have seen us over long periods of time. Consistent treatment with toxin gives us much better knowledge of how long is it going to last that, that person individually. Because, you know, um, the more you treat the muscle, they keep it relaxed in a relaxed state. The muscle atrophies and gets weaker. And you can spread your dose out a little more infrequently than what you would if it's a, a patient coming in for the first treatment. Consistency with neurotoxin treatment is like very vital in ha having the best outcomes. Yep. So when patients come in and ask you for treatment with 
baby Botox or Microtox, how do you actually approach that conversation? As I mentioned earlier, like Microtox and baby Botox are very different in my opinion. Baby Botox is for my people that are just starting out and I, do, I give them a full treatment at that time. Microtox is when we use it either in a hyperdiluted state or do microdosing. A lot of times it's used in areas for you can, you know, relax the crepey skin under the eyes or you can help it with um, enlarged pores and some of these different things. But there are also some negative, um, you know, connotations to using this. What are some of the concerns that you have with doing the baby Botox or Microtox? I don't have concerns with doing baby Botox in the way that that I, I dose it because I dose it just like I think it needs to be dosed. I don't underdose on baby Botox. That's that's more of a term that I use for that for an age group, not a not a dosing technique. Microtox, my concern is that consistent low dosing of Botox, they have the potential to build antibodies against it and then become a non-responder. Yeah, so there's a, a a lot of talk in the aesthetic world about antibodies and just like, you know, any other kind of um, virus or cold or something we're exposed to, we can build antibodies to it. So when we're exposed in the future, our body makes this response and we don't get as sick as we did maybe the first time that we were exposed to that. And there's a concern with the neurotoxin, with any of the, the Botox products out there, that frequent exposure or frequent low-dose exposure will make our body have these an antibodies. Then when we get in the future that maybe we don't respond as robustly or it doesn't last as long. I can tell you in the aesthetic world, I don't really think it's as big of a concern as some of the, the talk around it. I think we have to be aware of it. But clinically, it's probably not as relevant as some of the, the talk. Now, Xeomin is the product made by MERS. And one of the reasons we think that these antibodies are formed are some of the proteins that are attached onto the molecule. They're not they're uh, not really necessary. They help them remain stable for shipping. But these proteins that are um, attached to the actual toxin molecule make our body recognize it. And the thought is that if we could get those away, that our body wouldn't recognize this and wouldn't form antibodies. So MERS, the company who makes ZM, and did a great job of coming up with their neurotoxin and purifying it in a way that they strip all of those uh, proteins away from it. And so there's really none of that attached. So the idea is that if there's nothing attached to the active toxin, then the patient will not form antibodies. Again, clinically, I'm not real sure of the, the relevance of this if we monitor it and dose appropriately. So I don't really think this guides my clinical decision-making a lot. I'm aware of it. I'm knowledgeable of it if the patient asks me. The only time I personally get a little bit, um, I think this may be a little bit relevant, is when we're using this in an off-label manner in really high doses. So you mentioned sexual health, and so sometimes we're injecting it for guys maybe into the penis, into the scrotum. If they're doing it for sweating, we're injecting it under the armpits. And so they're getting hundreds of units at one time in different areas. Perhaps in those higher doses, it concerns me a little bit. And that would that's the only time I really kind of consider changing my treatment. I think it's a brilliant marketing plan for MERS, which is a, MERS has a, a brilliant marketing team. We all know that. But I think that it's very attractive to a, to a consumer to think that they're getting a more purified protein or more purified toxin or more pure toxin. It's almost an oxymoron to me. You think about it and saying you're getting a pure toxin, but um, I think that it does sound good to people to think I'm getting a more clean version of Botox or Dysport. 
you know, they've done really good with having some celebrities endorse the product and that protein doesn't stop me from using other products. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of other good products out there. Um, and Dysport is what we use primarily. And that is, that is from a company called Galderma and we both, that's what we have in our faces personally and we use in our family and we use primarily in our practice. Um, but it does have some of those proteins attached to it. So for patients that are concerned, it is something that we need to discuss. So that gets away with the the way the products are formulated. But from that, we move into the way the products are dosed. So, you know, you mentioned that you refer to baby Botox more of an age range of your patients than the dose of toxin. I think a lot of providers will use that term, meaning they're giving a lower dose of neurotoxin. Because we have patients that come to see us and they say, oh, I got baby Botox. It was just a really small dose. But it may not last the full duration. So in addition to these proteins that could form antibodies or induce antibody formation, also the frequency and how frequently you're exposed to these products could induce some antibody formation. So ideally, we're going to space this out again, depending on the individual product, but at least three months. And so when we're dosing a little bit now and a little bit in another area in two weeks or touching up in a week or two later, those frequent smaller doses can also induce antibody formation. How do you handle the patient that comes in and they can only afford to treat their glabella? You know, we have lots of patients on budget. I think it's a realistic thing that how do you handle that patient that needs a full, a full, you know, frontal, frontalis treatment? Yeah. So I think you have that discussion with them. I think that that's where our education and our expertise comes into play. And so, you know, I believe it gives us an opportunity to have a discussion with that patient to say, we can certainly treat all of these areas. It is our recommendation, depending on what their goals are, that this is your treatment plan. And then if they can't go through with that treatment plan because of budget or they're worried about side effects in a particular area, whatever the reason may be, it's not that we have to do that whole plan at that one time. But I don't think that's a decision that I should make on my own without having that discussion. So that way, this is their body, it's their face that we're injecting. And I really believe that they have the right to participate in that plan with you. So they understand, you know, this may not be the most optimal treatment because of budget. I mean, it is, we definitely split treatments apart. So I don't want to sit here and say that we don't. But also, if someone could do all their treatment at once and then come back after a period of time and do that again, I do think that there's less chance that they're going to worry about antibodies. However, I want to emphasize that I think this is also not a common problem. We've done this, you know, for 15 years now, and I think we have very little problems with um, resistance to neurotoxins. There's a small number that's not going to respond. We know that that number may be a little bit higher now post-COVID. There's some a couple of current, you know, um, leading researchers that are looking at this and trying to figure out this mechanism. If, is it something from COVID or the vaccine or both. And we're not really sure, but there's a little bit of an uptick in people who are not responding, but we've split doses, um, give lower doses for many years. I think the key is that injectors should understand when they're making these decisions, what risk they're taking. So if it's simply a matter of, you know, the patient doesn't know what they want, um, but they have an unlimited budget or they kind of give you their goals then try to do those things at one time so you can, even if it's a small chance, you're mitigating that, you're minimizing that. We've been doing this a long time, and it's like 
We've had very few patients that I think were true non-responders. We've certainly had some people that, you know, respond, didn't respond as well as they had to a previous treatment, but, um, you know, I don't know that they would be true, a true non-responder. And, you know, was it due to a batch that was not stored properly at some point during manufacture or whatever? Um, I don't know the answer to that, but, and it did seem, um, Immediately after COVID, we had an uptake and a lot of people that didn't respond as well to their toxin treatment as what they had in the past. But I've noticed that we're kind of back to like a, a norm now. Like we just don't hear that a lot. No, we don't. Um, another kind of trendy thing right now that we get asked a lot about. And I mean, it's something that I personally like myself is uh, skin doctor or microneedling and putting the uh, neurotoxin on topically, letting it soak in the microneedle channels. Now, that's an off-label treatment. It's not something that is approved by any of the companies. It's something that um, injectors are using in an off-label fashion to give more of just a tight skin appearance, reduce pore size, maybe a little bit of a glow. Some people say it's like having um, dolphin skin or saran wrap skin. It looks really great. Like I said, personally, I love it. Um, but what are some of your concerns when people talk to you about skin talk? Well, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about, about introducing like, you know, low doses and r running the risk of developing some type of resistance um, with antibody formation. But um, as far as the result, like personally, I like it. And I don't know that I've ever treated a patient that, it, that didn't like it. It doesn't last very long, but it's great for an event. Um, it's great for people that have enlarged pores. It's one of the best treatments for them. Yeah, I guess where I was going with it, and I mean, I know you and I have talked about this a lot, and, and so, you know, our skin is going to be our largest organ. It's our first barrier of defense for any of the viruses or bacteria that we're exposed to in the environment. So because of that, there are a lot of immune cells that live in our skin because it's constantly fighting off things for the environment. So most of the neurotoxins, or all the neurotoxins, are really designed to work in the muscle. So it's kind of a layer below the skin. And so when we're doing this in this off-label fashion in the skin, we're exposing a lot of our immune cells to this neurotoxin. So there's this thought that those specialized immune cells that are normally helping us fight away bad things, if we put enough of this uh, toxin into that area, into that more superficial or the, the up outermost layer, that we're going to make those antibodies form more rapidly. And so maybe then when we want to put it down in the muscle or in the area that we really want it to work, is it going to work as effectively? Because if we've exposed a lot of these immune cells to just a little tiny dose of the toxin, that we're giving our body an ability to recognize it, and then it's not going to work when we need it somewhere else. And we may see an, an increase in non-responders because it is something that we're seeing a lot right now on social media, like um, the, you know, the dosing is a lot more superficial than what it has been in the past. Because, uh, you know, when you and I were first starting, I mean, we went to the periosteum and backed off. and so, Yeah, all the way down to the bone. And so, yeah, to the bone. And so um, now, you know, you have people that are doing the entire treatments very, very superficial. Um, so there are a lot of schools of thought on how, how you know, the toxin can be administered. And I'm not saying they're, they're not getting good responses um, because people are clearly happy with their treatments. But it'll be interesting to see, like, the the result from this, you know, years down the road. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And I think kind of the interesting thing about this topic and that hopefully all of you guys um, have picked up from this episode 
you know, we think about, we use the word Botox now, almost like we use the word Kleenex. Um, it's really synonymous with neurotoxin. And a lot of people will talk about Botox, but they're actually getting some other product injected. And, you know, there really are a lot of nuances to the individual products and how they're formulated from the, the different companies. There are also a lot of individual nuances that can not only control the response you have immediately, but maybe impact your response to future treatment. So when you're deciding on who your injector is going to be and who you're going to partner with um, to, to do your personal treatments, I think it's really uh, key to have some of these conversations with them. Make sure they understand what they're actually injecting. And it's not just a, you know, a clear fluid that they inject somewhere they see a line and that line's going to smooth. Sometimes that will work. Yeah. But there are real, if you're lucky, it'll work. But there can be side effects from it. But in addition to the side effects, it, you know, the good thing about all the neurotoxins is the side effects are, are relatively temporary. They're going to wear off. They're transient. You know, it's also kind of a bad thing if you love your result, it's going to wear off. But I, I think as, you know, we always say education is key. Continue, if you're an injector, to educate yourself, to continue, um, you know, attending conferences, really, you know, reading journal, journals and articles and staying up to date. We're constantly going things to keep ourselves uh, as up to date as we can be. And there are things that I learn uh, all the time. Like, you know, almost every week I'm learning something new from people around me. And it's, a, it's really a rapidly evolving field. And if you're um, a patient going to pick an injector, ask these questions. Don't feel bad asking if your injector can't answer them. You know, I, I'm not saying to switch injectors, but give them an opportunity. Maybe that's an opportunity for them to go and learn something more about the neurotoxin. Well, I think we all learn. We learn something from every conference, even if it's a bad conference. We leave, we learn something from it. And as practitioners, we all learn something from every question that's asked to us. So I think it, it is important. And I think that the consumers have a role and a responsibility to themselves to that, that you hear me say it on every episode of the podcast almost to like that's your provider you know be sure that you're going to someone that's that's appropriately trained that's going to inject you in a safe manner and has your you know your best health the best interest certainly well we have um, a lot more that we can talk about neurotoxins literally we could talk up you know probably a whole day about this multiple episodes it, it, it is a complex topic but uh, i hope this has been an for uh an informative session and we look forward to seeing you guys next week on another episode of Beauty in the Brain. See you soon.